Hey everyone, this is Edie Talbert, your breast friend, and this is my podcast. Be sure to subscribe so we can get the new episodes to you each week. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, which is my favorite, and let's become breast friends. Hello everyone, and welcome back to the podcast, Your Breast Friend. I am excited to have my friend Don Buckner on the podcast this morning. Don and I met um, at our community cancer group for the Stoneberg Project. Her and her husband, Tommy, um, began attending. And so I've invited her to come on the podcast and talk a little bit about her experience with breast cancer. So thank you so much for joining me today, Don. Glad to have you. Thank you for having me. So tell me, let, let's just dive right in. Tell me when you were diagnosed and what was your exact diagnosis of breast cancer? I was diagnosed back in 2019 with invasive ductal carcinoma, um, HR positive, and ER2 negative, if I said that correctly, because I can't remember. <laughs> it's been a few years. It's been a few years. So when you say invasive um, carcinoma, what, what did that mean to you when they said invasive? All that meant to me really was just you have cancer because before I was actually diagnosed, I really didn't know that there was more type, what more than one type of breast cancer. I thought breast cancer is breast cancer and and that's that's it. I didn't yes. know I didn't know until the group, you know, with you guys that there was even anything in addition to that. Yes, there are there are so many different types of breast cancer. Um, there's invasive, non-invasive. There's triple negative. There's H, HR uh, positive, ER negative. There's ductal. There's so many different types of cancer, and um, yeah, it really helps when you're involved with a group that can kind of narrow that focus down and help you with your specific type of di- diagnosis. So after you were diagnosed, what what was your treatment plan? What did they tell you? Um, you were going to have to go through chemotherapy, radiation, surgery. What are the things that you had to do with your type of cancer? Well, they they actually gave me the option. They told me that I could have radiation first and then have a lumpectomy, or I could just go straight for um, a double mastectomy. And after, of course, you know, doing a lot of researching online and then being being in the group and all, I, I actually chose after meeting with the doctors to have the double mastectomy because I felt like, you know, there's a chance that I could go through radiation and a lumpectomy and then turn around and end up having a mastectomy anyway. So I thought I might as well just go straight, straight, uh, you know, for the most invasive thing to hopefully get it all taken care of and not have to deal with this again in the future. So did you feel like you had enough time to do that research and to make the best choice for you? About how long did you have before you actually made that decision? Gosh. You know, as soon as, soon as you hear those words, you, you jump online and you try to start getting as much information as you can. And then with all the testing you have to go through, you know, you you don't even have surgery immediately. So it takes you know, really, for my situation, at least two months to even get to the final process. So that gives you time to talk to other people that have been through similar situations, research, talk to doctors, and find out what's best for for you personally. Exactly. 
So what did you do first? Did you do surgery? Did, what was the, what was your treatment plan? What did you start with? I went uh, basically straight, straight to the double mastectomy. And did you have any radiation or chemotherapy after that? I did not have either of those. Um, the doctor put me on the anastrozole. And so I started taking that basically after my surgery. Okay. And and what what is the astrozole? What does it do? Does it, is it a hormone blocker? Yeah, that is a hormone blocker that originally I was told that I would be on for one year. And then I was told I'll be on it for five years. And then I was told 10 years. And now I'm being told the rest of my life. So Ooh. now I'm researching that because I've I've talked with other cancer patients who doctors have told them, oh, no, you shouldn't be on it you know, for more than so many years. So I kind of feel confused at this point because I'm at four years. So I need to kind of get to the bottom line and figure out what really is the rule of thumb. Do you have any, do you have any side, side effects from the Astrozole? I do. Uh, basically, it's a lot of joint pain. Um, if I'm sitting too long and I go to stand up, my, my ankles, you know, feel like they're stiff. My wrists feel stiff. Um, and I don't know if it's my age at this point or just the chemo brain that, that people say, but some days I feel like I can't even get a sentence out clearly, or I can't even think of something that should be simple, you know, like what kind of cancer do you have? Like, mm -hmm. I can't even remember the initials and then other days. Right. Are better, so. right. Right. And, and that is, that is something anytime you're on any additional medication due to cancer whether you've gone through chemotherapy, there is a fogging that seems to happen. And you're fairly young too. So I would think that, that that's probably a side effect of the medication that you're on. Yeah. Um, did you have any, first of all, let's back up a second. What is your follow-up treatment plan? Are you, are you still going in every six months for for not, you're not doing mammograms now, but do you have to have any other type of MRI or ultrasound what kinds of checks do you have after your double mastectomy? Um, are they are they telling you that you need to do? I'm still going in every six months um, because of the anastrozole. It evidently causes um, bone problems. So now because of that, I have osteopenia. So because of the osteopenia, I take a once a week pill to help strengthen my bones. And then I also have yearly bone scans, but... Just like anybody that's had cancer, you you feel an ache or a pain or or you have something go on and your first thought is like, oh my gosh, I have cancer again. I've, I've got to get in right away. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's happened a few times. I've even had some pain in my, in my lower chest a couple of months ago and it, it was to the point where some days I couldn't even take a step. So after about three weeks, I finally went to the doctor and was sent for testing and found that I had broken a rib, like not even oh, realizing wow. anything had happened, but because of my bones, I've, you know, broke a rib. And so, you know, when I have a 10 year old and I, you know, they told me no jumping on the trampoline, no roughhousing, no doing piggyback rides. So, you know, even this weekend, yes. yeah. It, it's, it's, it's amazing to me that even after your treatment for cancer, because of 
a certain type of medication or the certain treatment that you went through, there are still things that you have to watch for. And yes, that is a real thing with anxiety. You get you get a, a pain or a cough or something and you think, oh no, is that my cancer that's come back? Is that, and it's it's true, it's PTSD. Cancer patients truly suffer from PTSD once they've been diagnosed because they think anything that comes up, anything that happens, the cancer is back. And so yes, right. pushing that off before you actually go get it checked out, which that's probably a a clear indication of the medication that you're on if it weakens your bones, but if right. you have to take it to keep the cancer at bay, <laughs> that's kind of a double standard there. I mean, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Right. Exactly. Did you did you have any family history before you and were absolutely, diagnosed? Absolutely no family history. I was the first person on my side of the family, you know, as far back generationally as I know of, that even had cancer. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, and truly, I, one of the things that I like to tell people when I go out and speak is that there's only about a 10% chance that you're going to have family history when you're diagnosed. So even though they ask you that on the questionnaire, when you go in to get your mammograms, only 10% of us out there have a family history of, of breast cancer or any type of cancer for that matter. Yeah. Crazy. Um, did you have any struggles during your treatment and when you went in for your mastectomy did you um were there anything any struggles that you would like to share with our audience um to help that next person that might be diagnosed what's is there anything that you'd like to share from that standpoint oh mainly it's i think it's just more of a just a mental struggle even mm -hmm. you know I, I feel like People need to have their doctors tell them exactly, exactly what to expect, not just like, oh, you're going to wake up and you're going to be sore for a few days and you're going to need to stay in bed for a week or two. But like when I had mine, I was under the understanding that I was going to have the the flap where they take, you know, part of the, the skin or muscle from your back. And then I find out when I actually get in the room that they're not doing that. They're actually taking... Um, like liposuction from my abdomen area. And so I, I guess that's kind of a normal thing to do. And I was all bandaged and everything after the surgery. And then when it was time that I could take my bandages off, I was completely shocked that my full abdomen area, my sides looked like I had been beaten with a bat. Uh. And nobody told me, now you're going to be bruised, you know. I mean, I... I was more shocked with that than, you know, just the surgery itself and having, you know, expanders put in. It just, that that's what really, really hit me the most, I think. So your advice to um, anybody that has been recently diagnosed before you walk into the hospital, hospital to have your surgery or your chemo or your radiation we need to be asking specific questions and taking the time to sit down with the doctor because those doctors are in a hurry. They've got right. other patients to see. But if we need to know clearly step-by-step step what is happening and what's the name of the surgery so that if you want to do any other research on the internet, you can do that to know specifically right. what's going to happen because you went in with a, <clears throat> excuse me, you went in with the understanding that you were going to have the flap and ended up having, I don't know the exact terminology, 
but I know the liposuction where they remove the body fat and put it um, in the chest area. Um, So that's important. That's kind of important. So you know what to expect once you're done. And um, so I'm so glad you shared that because sometimes we're in such a hurry when we've been diagnosed with cancer. We just want the cancer out of our body. Exactly. We need to take a little bit more time and um, have a good understanding of what you're fixing to walk through for certain. Right. That's good advice. So on the mental game, I know this is something that we talk about in group every month. What What's your advice or how did you manage the mental aspect of it? What did you do that helped you? Well, I don't, I don't know if I want to say fortunately or unfortunately, but I was a business owner at the time. I had a, a young child. I have a child with a disability. So it's like I'm so occupied anyway. I mean, days after even having surgery, I was, you know, in my bed with my computer working because, you know, just because you have surgery, your business doesn't just stop. So I think, honestly, just staying busy is kind of what helped just keep me going. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't somebody that didn't work or could take off of work and just literally have to lay in bed and think, oh, my gosh, you know, poor me. What movie should I watch? Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll take a nap. It was just still go, go, go from the bed. And I think that's important. I think that um, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, you didn't have the luxury of having idle time. And so right. idle time plays a lot into the mental game. And so that was that was kind of a blessing for you that you had a you had a business that you had to run and, and you could do it from your bed. And so that was that kept your mind going. Like you said, you had a right. you had a small child, you had a, a child with disabilities. Um, you had things that had to be taken care of. And so that filled your idle time. And I think that's what's important is to just make sure that you don't have um, too much idle time and keep right. moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you were involved in our community cancer group that meets once a month. How I was, was that helpful? helpful? How was that helpful for you? I think it was good not only for me, but especially um, for my husband, you know, because I think a lot of people have the perception of, oh, you had cancer, you had the surgery, and now you're done. Move on with your life. And I think everybody needs to realize, family members especially, or even, you know, maybe your adult kids, that that's not what it's like. You're you're dealing with it physically sometimes and mentally the rest of your life. So if you're having a bad day or your bones are hurting and you can't really, you know, run down the block with your child, it's like, you know, I have to tell my, my 10-year-old all the time, like, I'm sorry I can't jump on the trampoline with you now. We... We went to an event this weekend with go-karts and and climbing and jumping on the, you know, different things and and the ropes course. And I'm like, I he's like, come on, come on. And I'm like, I I can't. I can't take a chance of getting hit in the go-kart by somebody, getting my neck jarred, you know, how they run into you. And I think sometimes he understands and then sometimes he's just like, maybe things, I don't know, you just don't want to do it with me. Yeah, yeah. But I think that that's very important that you understand those things and you're protective of those things. And at some point in time, he will understand, maybe not now, but maybe when he gets older and you're able to sit down and have that conversation with him and explain to him why you were able to do those things, he will understand it. Right now he doesn't because he's young and he just wants his mom to get in the go-kart and go with him. 
Um, but I think that that's very important. And I think that's something that I want our, our listeners to hear is that there are limitations and there are mm-hmm. restrictions after cancer. And you have to make sure that you're following those restrictions and those limitations to, in order to live a, a, what we call a healthy after cancer right. life. So I'm glad that you mentioned that because I know that the bone issue is one of the issues that a lot of breast cancer patients walk through. So I'm so glad that you brought that up and and, and talked a little bit about how you were handling that. That's good information. Um, can you think with the community cancer group, can you think of anything? Um, I know it's been, it's been a little bit since you've been back. Um, but can you think of anything, a topic that surprised you during those, those, those meetings? Was there anything that was like an aha moment, a light bulb moment? Can you think of anything? I think one thing that sticks out is you just assume like when you have insurance or don't have insurance that you're going to be covered and taken care of the way that you should be because you do have insurance. And so I found that some people like went to a nutritionist afterwards. I didn't have a nutritionist. Some people went to physical therapy. I didn't have physical therapy. Um, some people had, you know, their their final surgery to get them to where they felt comfortable about themselves. And my insurance was like, I need I needed another um, surgery to kind of make me huh, look halfway decent. I say I'd like to say, and my insurance said, well, you had two years to get in all the surgeries that you needed to get in. And you've passed that two-year mark. So, you know, this was also during COVID. So during COVID, I had three surgeries. And then they want to tell me, well, you know, your time's up. You know, basically, you're you're on your own. So I was even visiting with somebody last month. And they they had just flown to Florida and back. And we started talking about, like, wearing the the arm compression sleeve for the lymphedema and this lady said what what do you mean a arm sleeve what do you mean a compression sleeve what are you talking about I never had that and I can't remember it seemed like she had had like five lymph nodes removed so why why did she not know she needed to have a compression sleeve you know it's just not consistent across the board it's It's just not consistent and that I found that true with um with so many people, it doesn't matter what you're di- how you're diagnosed, what area, I mean, whatever your diagnosis is. I have a friend who had the exact same diagnosis as I did, and yet our treatment plan was different. So right. <clears throat> you just, it's, it's not the same, but you do learn a lot about, um, like you said, the lymphedema, the nutritionist, cancer coaching, so many things within the group. Um, that you might not know other outside the group. So it, with that, it does. And the whole issue insurance thing, I think we talk about insurance at every single meeting right. because there's always, you know, with different insurance groups, it's different. And right. during COVID was certainly different. Um, so yeah, it was, it's, it's just been a huge learning experience, just like, like for you, it has been for me too, even though mine was 15 years ago. So yeah, it's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. 
So you did receive some oncology massage therapy at Stonebrook Day Spa through the project. How was that helpful for you? It, it was nice just to be able to to get away and get pampered and not have to think, you know, it's just a relaxing time and, and to help relieve the tension, you know, that, that all the stress from it causes, just to be able to relax and, and have those muscles worked on and have the, the knots worked out that all the tension and stress causes you. Right. And it's yeah. not just everyday stress. It's the stress of your everyday stuff and then right. everything that you have to tilt through with cancer. It's like a double stress. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. What advice would you have for other women that are either just diagnosed or um, are walking through cancer? What advice would you give them? I would say be, when you're talking to especially your, your close family members, your, you know, your close friends, tell them what it is that you need. You know, you know, please bring me a meal for two days after I have surgery. Please, you know, please don't call me 12 times a day because I'm going to be sleeping. Um, you know, just just be upfront and honest about about what what it is that you truly, truly need. You know, That's will you good. grab me That's Sonic good. slushy and and bring it to me? You know, I, I don't feel like eating, but I'm really thirsty or, you know. Can you bring me an extra pillow when you stop at the store? Just even if it's something simple, you know, Yeah, I've learned with a lot of, unfortunately, bad things that's happened in my life that your close people, people closest to you either hit the road and you never see them again, but the ones that do stick around, you know, they truly want to help you. That's so true. It's so true. And the, and the truth is, there are some people that don't know what to say or how to say it, and they will just disappear and don't take it personally, but lean on those ones that want to step up and want to right. help you and be specific about what you need from them. Do you need them mm -hmm. to bring in dinner? Maybe not for you, but but for your family. Um, yeah. <laughs> what is it specifically that you need? Because they still need to eat for sure. Right. We, we do too, but um, just having that stress of not knowing what they're going to do for lunch or dinner or whatever. That's, that's, especially for the women, that's a, that's a big deal. That's a big oh, deal. Yeah, my, my son would come in the room and he was, gosh, what was he, six at the time? And I'm like, I'm starving. Please just give me a pudding, a bag of chips. Like, I just need some food. <laughs> yes. Is there, is there anything different? Is there anything you would have done differently? Um, as you walked through cancer, looking back, is there anything you would have done differently? I don't think I would have had control over what I would have done differently, but I would have um, picked a different plastic surgeon. Okay. So Maybe, my question is, uh, did you go with the recommendation of your breast surgeon and you just, you didn't like, interview a couple of different people before mm -hmm. okay yep yep yeah i went straight with the recommendation from the um the oncology surgeon i guess you call it mm -hmm. and you know maybe had i gone to the group meeting before everything actually started you know i could have said who is anyone use this person what was your thought well, who do you recommend you know what's what's the majority here 
Um, yeah. And I highly recommend um, for anybody out there that's listening, you need to find a surgeon, a plastic surgeon, an oncology person if you're doing chemo, a radiation person if you're doing radi radiation. You do not have to go with that first recommendation. You need to interview at least two because you mm -hmm. are going to be spending some time with them and you need to make sure that that's a good relationship first because then you will feel like you're being treated with the utmost care and the best care. And right. so that's very important to make sure that you don't just go. I mean, we want to trust them. That's what we go for them. But not everybody clicks with every surgeon so or mm -hmm. every um, plastic surgeon. You need to make sure that that you feel that, that relationship and that you're comfortable because you're going to be spending a lot of time. You're going to be right. spending a lot of time there. Yeah. yeah. Good point. Good point. So where are you at now? What are you doing now, now, Dawn? Tell us about your life now. What are you doing? Perfect. I know you've been in a couple of um, um, films, right? Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about that. Tell us where you are now. Well, we actually sold our business at the end of February. And I'm kind of in the transition of trying to figure out what to do with my life now. We we had the business for 18 years. Um, now my disabled daughter is 23. So she's living somewhat independently in Owasso. Um, my son is about to turn 11. And so I've got a couple of different directions my, my job may be going. And just kind of waiting, I guess, for God to tell me which route to take. And this summer I was was shooting as an extra on a film until the actors went on strike mm -hmm. and they have now since come off strike so i should be filming again actually wednesday outdoors um, <laughs> at midnight so yeah i'm hoping i don't freeze to death but hey it's a paycheck right so it's a uh, paycheck. It's a paycheck. <laughs> so that's uh, awesome. That is yeah. awesome. You know, well, I'm so glad that you're past this. Um, I thank you so much for sharing your information with us today. I think we hit on some really good key points for other women who are going to be walking through breast cancer. Um, and I really, really appreciate you coming on today and sharing all that information with us. And so glad that you're doing well, that you're thriving, that you are doing some things that you love um, and that you're just, you're now thriving in life. And that's, that's what it's all about for sure. I would, I would like to give a piece of advice though. Sure. Um, before I was ever diagnosed, uh, I can't remember if I was playing with my son and he threw a ball and it hit me in the chest or something, but I was like, wow, that, that hurt. And that's when I noticed that, that I had a spot. And so I did, like you said earlier, I got online and I took the quizzes, like, could I have breast cancer? Everything that I did said, no, no history. No, you don't have these symptoms. And so I actually made an appointment and I went to the doctor and for an exam. And I said, I feel this, this knot. And she said, I don't feel it. And I said, okay, let me, let me sit up and you try to feel it. And she said, I don't feel it. And I said, okay. So she said, go on across the hall and get your mammogram. So I walked across the hall and she 
these words is basically what saved my life. She said, well, since you're not having any problems, let's head on back and get your mammogram. And I said, no, I am having problems. I feel a knot. The doctor doesn't feel it. I'm having a problem. And she said, oh, well, since you're having a problem, I'm not going to do the mammogram. I'm going to send you to the hospital for an ultrasound. And during the ultrasound, when the doctor said to me, I'll be right back, that was kind of a, a trauma I had in the past when I found out that my baby had passed away and they said, the radiologist says, I'll be right back. I said, something's wrong. And I had my phone in my hand and I actually, you know, put it up so I could see behind me and I saw on the screen the spot. And um, so when I met up with the oncologist, the oncologist said to me, you saved your own life by being adamant that there was a problem when the doctor didn't feel it. So if you if your gut tells you there's something there and they say there's not, get another opinion. So how old were you when you were diagnosed? I was um, 48. Okay, so you'd been having your mammograms up until that point, correct? Right. And they said right. it didn't show anything because of, of dense tissues. And I had even for years had like the whole um, itchiness of that area. And when I would ask my OB about it, he said, oh, it's dry skin. Just put lotion on it. And let's <clears throat> let's just be let's just be clear that rash, a rash mm -hmm. is a symptom of breast cancer. Exactly. It is a breast. It is a, a symptom. Yeah. So you definitely I love this story and I hate this story all at the same time. But you do have to be your own advocate. You, If right. you, in your gut, have a feeling that there is something wrong, you keep pushing until the very end, until they tell you, yes, it is, or no, it's not. You have to be your own advocate 100%. Exactly. And this is a cl very clear story where you felt the knot, they didn't, and they even skipped the mammogram and went straight to the ultrasound, and that's where they found it. And yes, exactly. yeah, that's so good. So yep. good. All right. Anything else right. you can think of that you would like to add? I I would suggest also that if you have had breast cancer and if you have um, children, in my case, I feel like especially a daughter to have the the gene testing done because we did find out that my my daughter uh, carried the gene, and so at the age of I believe she was twenty one, she had to have a hysterectomy. Mm. so yeah that's important too yep and my daughter my daughter just did her first mammogram I was diagnosed at 47 and so she just turned 37 this year and she had to do her first mammogram it's 10 years before your diagnosis so they have to they right. do have to start earlier yeah yeah so they're that's even checking um, my daughter on a yearly basis now yeah, yeah. so okay. yeah I'm ready. All right, Don. Thank you so much for joining me thank today. You. I appreciate it so much. It's, a, it's so good to see you again. Thank it's you. so good to visit with you. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And if you did, make sure to share it and subscribe so you can receive all the new episodes as they are available. Also, I want to thank all of you that are supporters of the Stonebrook Project. If you would like to be a project partner or make a donation, please click on the link in the show notes. Don't forget to leave us a review, share, and subscribe to your best friend. Have a great day.